Well, welcome back to another episode of the New News Podcast. Uh, I'm joined by Sandy and Andrew this time. We've got a full crew. Um, excited to talk Cardinal baseball. Not necessarily super excited about today's moves and Nola signing with the Phillies, but we have a lot to talk about with Nola. Uh, the non-tenders last week and a lot of movement on that end. Craig Council to the Brewers. And most, or I think most importantly, in a wall, out of all, we're going to talk about our ideal offseason plan. So each of us have come with an offseason plan of what the Cardinals can do with the money they have allotted um, and potential trades as well. So we'll get into that. We'll tell you a little about the rules we worked with on that. And the first, let's jump on the news of the day. Aaron Nola signs with the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm blanking the terms again. I think it was seven years, $172 million. Came out to about $24 million a year. Um, so... Initially, that report comes out, I'm like, crap. Um, um, but my first reaction, I don't know about you guys, is the the AAV there, the annual value, and even the total length of the money on the deal was a lot lower than people were saying recently. That's an encouraging sign that his uh, contract is lower. But then you have this kind of bombshell from Derek Gold that the Cardinals ever made an offer on NOLA. So you've got that. I don't know. There's a lot of feelings I have about it. Sandy, Andrew, what do you guys think about the NOLA signing? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty clear that Aaron Nola wanted to go back to Philly and he probably was never going to end up in St. Louis because he signed so early and he signed for a lot less than supposedly what was offered to him. So that's something to consider. I'm not particularly worried about it because um, I Nola wasn't a guy that I was particularly interested in signing to begin with. But um, it does take one guy off the table, I guess, um, which could impact the market negatively for the Cardinals, but it also could help the Cardinals because he didn't sign for all that much and it could help them um, sign a couple of pitchers for a little bit cheaper as well. So not really sure what to make of it. I guess we'll have to, to wait and see what happens. I think Sonny Gray is probably going to sign soon and hopefully with the Cardinals, uh, but we'll get into that later, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you'll hear plenty of Sunny Gray talk from me later in the episode. Um, but like you said, it, you know, there's two ways to look at it. One is, hey, Nola set the market and it's a lot lower than we thought. Because I remember hearing numbers about Nola that were 250 in excess of that. And I was like, wow, that's that's wild. So to see him get on a deal for, I think we said 172, um, that's good. That's sub 25 AAV. And I think a lot of people would have ranked Nola ahead of Jordan Montgomery. So maybe his market is a little bit lower. Um, but also signing so early, maybe it's not setting the market. Maybe he's separate from everybody else. And this could be best viewed as an extension, honestly. Yeah. Um, that might be a really good way to look at it. Obviously, Phillies fans have something to be thankful for this Thursday. Um, hopefully, hopefully, Mr. Mosellock uh, will give us something to be thankful for as well. Yeah. I mean, because you started to see numbers like 210, 220, 230 over seven yeah. years. So you're talking like a $30 million a year over seven years. He got 24 for seven. Like, I would have, if you're getting them out into the sevens, I thought maybe like seven year range, that the lowest is probably like 25, but you're probably milking more 27, 28 million. So my hope, like you said, Sandy and Andrew, like that this is a market setter outside of Yamamoto. Obviously, he's getting a lot more than this, <clears throat> but hopefully this sets the market for a Blake Snell, a Sunny Gray, um, Eduardo Arriguez. Like obviously, those guys are getting, but outside of Blake Snell, all those guys are going to get less than Nola, but hopefully this tempers their market a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, with with Nola signing this early, it's clear like there's people going on Twitter right now saying the Cardinals weren't aggressive enough. See, they're not going to go after someone. We don't know yet. We still don't know if they're going to go out and get Sonny Gray, if they're going to go trade for a guy, if they're going to get Yamamoto. But I think this just proves he wanted to go back to Philly. You don't re-sign before Thanksgiving 
unless you just want to go back to the Phillies. Uh, Nola's agents called John Mozilek today. They've had conversations about Nola and said, hey, he's probably going back to Philly, just so you know. Um, if he was looking for the highest bidder, A, he would have been more, uh, he would have taken those bigger offers that he had from the Braves and whoever else offered into consideration. And B, he would have waited out this market longer to get more money from the Phillies or get more money from whoever. So um, I don't know how much more the Cardinals could have done here. And it's really disappointing because yeah. they clearly wanted him. Um, but it, my guess is if they didn't make an offer and they really wanted him, then they probably picked up on it really early that he was just going to go back to Philly. And so they didn't waste their time on it, which I'm fine with if they pull off moves in other ways. So we'll see. Anything else you guys want to talk about Nola there? I think it's just, yeah, just sad. I didn't yeah, really want him either, but at the same time, it's like, it sucks that the first guy off the board was resigning the Phillies, but yeah. Well, so there are some moves the Cardinals did make this past week. They non-tendered Andrew Kisner, Jake Woodford, Dakota Hudson, and Juan Yepes. Initial thoughts on that, guys. It's good to see them be decisive and pare the roster down a little bit. Obviously, they were going to have to. Um, I'm just a little surprised that they took the guys off that they did and didn't add. I mean, I don't know. It's really surprising that they couldn't get more for Andrew Kisner, I guess, is the first thing to take away from this. Kisner had a really good year. Um, he was just slightly below league average offensively, which like that's kind of a big deal for Andrew Kisner. Um, a 92 OPS plus actually had a little bit of a power stroke this year. The on-base percentage was low, but I'm looking at his numbers right now. 712 OPS is higher than a certain promising shortstop uh, who played for Cincinnati. So he had a really, really good year, all things considered. Um, yeah, it is. It is better than Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah. Andrew Kisner, the next De La Cruz. I have his baseball yeah, reference. Yes, Ellie De La Cruz. Um, I was, I was about to say that. Votes. Wow. That's I know. Crazy. I know. A little spicy. But all things considered, it's a bummer. It's a bummer to see Kisner leave. That's like the big thing for me. Um, not really super attached to Hudson Woodford. And I would have liked to see Juan Yepes more, but not seeing him all year shows you how the Cardinals value him, unfortunately. Yeah. Even in a lost season. But Kisner just like, honestly, at times felt like the the heart and soul of this team in 2023. Mm -hmm. And it was a tough year to struggle through. He was a huge bright spot. Um, so seeing him leave, like, just really sad. Yeah. I think it's interesting that like he was a better defensive catcher than Contreras, but he's still a net negative for the most yes. part too. So it's not like, like when people say Kisner was the defensive guy, it was like, well, he was the less bad defensive guy, right. but he had a good relationship with the staff. So like, that's important. But mm -hmm. I mean, I think we could probably all agree that Ivan Herrera needs a chance now. Yes. And so it makes sense to move to Kisner. Um, I was also surprised they couldn't trade him just because it's yeah. hard to find quality backup catchers, let alone starting catchers. Um, <clears throat> and then you had um, uh, uh, John Mozek on with Tom Ackerman this morning, and he was talking about the fact that they tried to trade Kisner, but because the non-tender deadline is so high up these days, people just aren't as active with trading for those guys on the fringes. And I mean, pretty much all of baseball caught probably could have read it like, they have Herrera, they have Contreras, they're probably going to DF or non-tender him. But you would also think maybe they'd want to jump the market and ensure that they get Kisner. So I don't know. It's I was indifferent on it. I was hopeful that they would move on from all those guys. Um, so I'm glad they were decisive, like you said. Yeah, I really like um, that they're being decisive with all these players. Um, getting rid of Hudson and Woodford, I think, really shows that the organization is going to go out and get pitchers this offseason. Now, are those going to be good pitchers? Hopefully, but um, we don't really know right now, um, especially because, 
you know, the they weren't as involved in NOLA as people people would have liked. But hopefully, hopefully that you're right, Josh. And um, they, they weren't really involved in NOLA because they kind of knew that he was going to go back to the Phillies. And I think that's kind of why they weren't as well, because they've been pretty adamant that they're going to add um, top arms. And hopefully Sonny Gray isn't like the best pitcher that they go out and acquire this offseason. I was saying beforehand that I don't think he can be our opening day starter. <laughs> I'm getting a weird look from from Sandy right now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, um, it, it shows that the front office means business this offseason. And hopefully yeah, I think so, too. And it's just so good to see that they're actually committing to Herrera. I love what you said, Josh. Herrera was so good last year with AAA. It's going to be great to see him get a shot. He's the best defensive catcher of the bunch. Um, but organizationally, we've talked about it before on the show. The Cardinals have so much great catching depth. And so seeing the move on from Kisner, it means Pages is going to get a chance, which is great to see. Um, obviously, if Herrera spends the season uh, at the major league level now, hopefully in a timeshare with Contreras, I've been talking about that for a while, we could see Pages at uh, you know AAA all season. Um, and he was awesome last year at AA. So I think he's the much more intriguing piece between him yeah. and Kisner. So good to see him get protected. Totally. Um, also, too, like, this just kind of doubles. I know you talked about timeshare, Sandy, and I do think Ivan probably gets a similar amount of opportunities that Kisner did this year, but it kind of doubles down. on Like if they were really thinking about moving Contreras off catcher a lot, they probably don't give it to Kisner. I don't think yeah. they trust Pajes that much yet. So I yeah. think it does show they are committing to Contreras and Herrera, <clears throat> which really optimizes the offense. And hopefully Herrera continues to develop defensively where he's not necessarily a defensive wizard either, but hopefully he can provide what, what Kisner was able to provide um, in a similar way, but just with a better bat now too. Absolutely. So there are some guys in the 40 man though, that still yes. don't make sense. So a like, lot. what are names that you guys think they could parse down from here? I mean, for me, I just like maybe it's it's my personal crusade right now, but like what is Siani doing on the roster? We got him for free. I know he's one of the top 30 prospects right now, but it just feels like Scott Hurst um, hmm. for people who remember his brief time with the Cardinals. Like this guy who he's only on the 40 man because he's in that center fielder bucket. And we've talked about how the Cardinals evaluate their outfielders. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe they say, oh, you know, we're more interested in this guy being around because he can play center, whatever. I just – I don't get it. He, he feels very unexciting, not going to do much offensively. Um, and there are other guys I'd much rather than protect with the Rule 5 draft coming up, such as Ian Bedell. And if he gets snagged because we couldn't take Siani or James Nail off the 40-man roster, all Cardinals fans have the right to be very, very upset. Yeah. Siani's probably the one I'm, like, the least offended by just because he does play center field where it's yeah. like – because I mean, you look at their 40 man right now, you've got Carlson who can play center, but who knows? Like, they don't know if he's going to be on the team next year. Yeah. Um, Edmund can play center field and he's probably on the team, but there's probably routes that they go where he's not on the team. Newbar can play center, but they want to play him in the corner. O'Neill's going to be gone. I guess Palacios could play center. So that's maybe mm -hmm. the other name. But like, outside of that, they don't really have center fielders. So I get why they keep them. I would move toward like James, like the fact that James Nail. Is on the roster and not Crazy. Ian Bedell. That's the one I'm like, what are we Insane. doing? Um, Ian Bedell I, might be a better reliever right now. Than probably. James there is an argument to that. And they could, I mean, obviously Bedell is behind. Like he's not going to be 
a 2024 option for the rotation. Yes. But so they, what they could have done, like what a lot of smart organizations would do, or what they kind of do is Thompson is you bring him up as a reliever because you need one right now. And then as your young guys start to move up and there's spots in AAA, then he can go back down and start to stretch out as a starter. And you maybe guys, so maybe late 20 or early 2025, late 2025, that becomes a more realistic option. But yeah. instead, some other organization like the Rays may pick him up and he might become an all-star. And That would make me so angry. So, any other names you guys would take off? I think that was pretty much it. There's a couple. Um, Jared, Jared Young, Jared. I think, yeah. Potentially a guy that we could leave off. And Jose Fermin is someone I think I've seen enough of, but we've seen enough <laughs> of some guys before, and they've gone on to win ALCS MVP. So I guess we can hold him for a little bit longer if we really want. <laughs> I hate to be down on Moises Gomez, but like oh, the yeah. fact that we didn't see him at all in 2023, a lost season when he hit a bunch of home runs at AAA again, that probably tells you how the Cardinals feel about him. Yeah. Like probably shouldn't be on this roster. And there's some pitchers too. Like, I don't know, maybe other people see something they really like in Guillermo Zuniga, but like I didn't see anything this year and he was hurt a lot and it just doesn't feel like it's working out. Yeah. I think there's, there's, Still probably like seven to eight guys the Cardinals could take off this roster and it really wouldn't bother me. True, which I feel like if they if they had protected Bedell and, and taken one of those guys off and then left <clears throat> and then left these other guys on, I wouldn't care for right now because it's like yeah. until you have to use the spot, like sure no one's forcing you to but anyways, it's just it'll be annoying if they lose some of those like quality prospects that are clearly have more of a long-term future than one of these guys. But <laughs> and like they protect I don't think they had to protect Pajes yet. So like no, I guess they're going to move on from Kisner, but they could have waited to move out into the forty man until later this offseason after they made their move. So, anyways, it's just it's weird, but it's the Cardinals for you. They make me want to pull my hair out a lot of the time, but here we go. So. Yeah, last thing in this conversation. I mean, you you alluded to it, but with the Cardinals, there are a lot of things that the front office does really well, and they don't deserve criticism for it. Forty man roster manipulation is something the Cardinals again and again show us they don't know how to do. So yeah, if if you want to criticize the Cardinals, this is one area where it's actually legitimate, like realistic founded criticism. You can be upset with the way they manage the 40-man roster. 100% agree. Well, here's what we're going to do for the rest of the episode <clears throat> because I'm frustrated talking about what they are doing and I would rather talk about what they should do. Yeah. And so the three of us decided we're going to put together off-season plans, what we think if we were in Mo's chair, what would be the best possible off-season. Now... We did give ourselves some rules here, <clears throat> so we're not going to go and spend $100 million on payroll because that's not realistic. So what we did was we started with, I believe we said $62 million was the number we could work off of, um, which factors in the non-tenders and the current projected budget that the Cardinals have left over. Now, obviously, the Cardinals can exceed that, like, they, and they should exceed that. Like they, They're setting these parameters on themselves, but we're going to work under what we think they're working under. And then the goal was to make signings and trades that could fit within that budget. And also you're giving up the proper value to make it happen. So no Tyler O'Neill and um, James Nail for Dylan Cease trades in here. Um, but I'm interested to see kind of where we go. Does anyone want to share theirs first? Who wants to be the, who wants to be Mo first for the off season? I'll go last. Cause I have some crazy. <laughs> I mean, Josh, you go first. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Second. Okay. 
Well, you can call me Mr. Mosaloc for a little bit of this as well. Sorry, Mr. Mr. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Uh, I already get accused of holding his water all the time, so I might as well just be him at this point. Um, so if I was Mr. Mosaloc, I'm stopping. <laughs> uh, we have the meats. Okay, <clears throat> first movie of offseason. Obviously, Aaron Knowles off the board. He wasn't even on my – well, he's an option for me, but he was not the one I want to go after. My first move of the offseason is you sign Sonny Gray. You do this at – I put him at three years, $69 million. Probably should have done a little bit higher because I think he'll probably go a little bit. That's $23 million a year AAV, which is slightly below Aaron Knoll. I just got over three years. Um, I think with the Braves bidding, especially there's some talk of it today that they're going to be more aggressive with him now. I think that number might get to 24, 25 million, but we'll see. But I think that's a realistic number and it easily fits within the budget. I, I fit within the budget well for this one. You sign Sonny Gray, you make that move. You do it before Thanksgiving, hopefully. So maybe this week, but if not, you pull it off at some point. So you've got a starter. That's the first move you make. You, you link one in. Then I turn my attention to the trade market. So, I really didn't want to do this. I promise you I wanted to find another way, <clears throat> but I've traded for Dylan Cease. I've given up Brendan Donovan, Tink, Tink Hentz, Michael McGreevy, and Jonathan Meha, Mejia. It hurts. <clears throat> that is one of my takeaways. Uh, Brendan Donovan is not who I want to give up. I don't want to give up Nolan Gorman. I don't want to give up Lars Newbar. I don't want to give up Jordan Walker. don't want to give up Mason Wynn. don't want to give up Thomas to JC. I don't want to give up Victor Scott, but at some point you got to make a move. Clearly the Cardinals are not going to pay the money. It's needed to get enough starters. And so I think you get Dylan Cease at eight, eight, almost $9 million a year for 2024. Probably makes around $11, $12 million next year. You give up a pitching prospect, which I'm not a really good one in Tink Hence, where I'm not really that nervous about it because you're getting Dylan Cease in return. And at the same time, Tink Hence, like he could be an ace or he could be a bullpen arm. We don't know. And so at this point, I'm not going to like hold on to that with tight grips, especially when you have a Roby, especially when you have Graceffo, Jerby, other guys at the cost of not getting um, Dylan Cease. So Cardinals now have Dylan Cease, they have Sonny Gray, and then. I pulled off another trade. I'm calling up the Rays and I'm saying, Tyler Glass, now you're coming to St. Louis. I traded Dylan Carlson and Gordon Graceffo. So by other prospect, even though I just said he was still here, <clears throat> you bring in. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they take all 25 million, but I think with that much value, there's a chance that Rays eat a little bit of that money. And so now you enter 2024 with a rotation of Dylan Cease, Tyler Glass, now and Sonny Cray. Now something I want to know is that. Um, Derek Gold was talking about John Mosaic's comments about two and a half starters this week. And he was saying that he, when Mo made that statement, he, which has been, this part's been cut out a lot of the quotes is that he said, he references Derek Gold. He says, based on like kind of the scenario that Derek just brought forward. And then he's like, we could do two and a half starters. The scenario that Derek shared is that if you get two stabilizers at the top of the rotation, could you go after an arm that might not get you enough innings? So a guy that you might have to bank on only giving you 120 innings like Tyler Glass now, or a bounce back candidate like a Frankie Montas, Tyler Malley, those type of guys. That's when Mo said, yes, that's something we're looking at. So we could pursue the two and a half starter model. So in this scenario, they get Tyler Glass now as their half starter, knowing that they have Sonny Gray and Dylan Cease who can give them the innings if they need it. But now they are prepared to go win a World Series if Tyler Glass now is healthy. Because now you have a one, two, three punch of Glass now, Gray, 
and Cease in October, which I don't really know how, like there's not a lot of rotations that can actually stack up to that. So it's pretty incredible. At that point, you've spent about $56.8 million. So you're still under budget. Um, <clears throat> but you trade Dylan Carlson away, which frees up a little bit of money as well. And then I signed Yuki Matsui to two year, about $16 million a year. That's about the projections I've seen on him. And then trade Tyler O'Neill to free up some money um, for James Karinchak of the Guardians. So you walk away, you've upgraded your bullpen with Matsui and Karinchak. You've upgraded your rotation with three legitimate top arms. And you've not overspent that about $65 million budget they have. You do lose Brendan Donovan, which makes me want to cry because I love Brendan Donovan. <clears throat> but the reason I was, I ended up saying I will part with Brendan Donovan over Nolan Gorman or other guys is that you do have Thomas J.C. coming. Yeah. And I think he can fill a very similar type of role, even though like that's a, that's a big ask to be Don, Brendan Donovan. That's how much I value him. But I do think J.C. can be like that. And then you also have Victor Scott coming. And I think he brings a dynamic to this team that I don't want to give up. And so I think he could be a, a trade chip that they use instead or Tommy Edmond. Like, I would much rather, and I think there's a scenario that can maybe Tommy Edmond and a bunch of top prospects like Scott and Hence or something like that to make it happen. But I just thought Brendan Donovan makes this the easiest. So, yeah, that's my offseason. You, your biggest casualty is Brendan Donovan. But if you tell me I lose Brendan Donovan, but I get Sonny Gray, Dylan Cease, Tyler Glass, now Matsui, and Karen Check in the process, I'm probably okay with that. How are we feeling, boys? Mr. Mosellock, I hate to see Brendan Donovan go, but I'd be, I'd be pretty happy if that was, that was the case here. Thank you, Gersh. I appreciate that. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, it was a good plan. Um, adding three three top tier starters via trade, a couple of them, which is um, something that I, I incorporated into my own plan um, a little bit. Giving up Donovan definitely hurts, but um, overall, I think it was uh, pretty successful, especially if you um, get in the postseason. Um, it's pretty scary. Yeah, I'm I'm actually becoming less um, anti trade Nolan Gorman. I was. He was the one I wanted to trade, not wanted, but the one I was most willing to trade for a while. Then I kind of scaled back, and now I'm kind of back on the maybe he's the most tradable of them because I think it carries most value, but it also has the most risk. That back stuff's a real thing. <clears throat> so I think if you asked me in a couple weeks, I might actually rather give up Nolan Gorman and a little bit less because Gorman's going to be valued higher than Donovan than give up Donovan that package. But right now, that feels the most comfortable and realistic. Like, Sure, you can go on baseball trade values and put in Edmund and eight other guys and make it happen, but I just don't think the White yeah. Sox would do that. No, so, so, but who knows? The Dodgers apparently after Dylan Cease right now, and yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll be uh, becoming John Mosellock now. Uh, I also have often been accused of being a Mosellock supporter, but I wear that like a badge of honor because I think <laughs> Mosellock is a really good general manager. <laughs> And I won't listen to the criticisms most of the time. Sometimes they're right. Um, but Andrew, today, can, we, can we do a quick just TikTok of just that statement? I yeah, wear it like yeah. a badge of honor. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Come after me. John Mosellock always wins. He had one bad year. A lot of, but I, I, see. <clears throat> I agree. For, okay. The 2023 season obviously is going to inform what I'm doing here. But I've said this since early in the season there are two ways to look at the season and this is going to inform my entire perspective here. A you look at it and you say it's a structural issue with the actual team. It's it's roster construction. That's why the team is so bad. Or B 
You say it's a lot of bad luck, a lot of underperformance. You say Nolan Arenado is not this bad. You say Paul Goldschmidt just won an MVP. You say Steven Matz was hurt. Miles Michaelis has never been this bad before, and he's not old enough to get this bad now. And that's kind of where I am. And I think the Cardinals are better than they finished in 2023. And so my options are not going to be as exciting as some people, but let's just get into it. Now, I also, a disclaimer, um, two of the guys I really liked that were in my plan have already um, changed teams. So I really was thinking about a Nola Gray pairing atop the rotation. Um, so I will be pivoting, as John Mozalek would say, at the winter meetings and um, might not be as exciting. And then also, I really like Scott Barlow in the bullpen, but he's already been traded this offseason. Um, so we're going to have to be looking for some other options. But okay, let's start. If uh, if I'm Mr. Mosellock, the first thing I'm doing right now is signing Sonny Gray instantly. I'm not asking any questions. I'm just doing it uh, because Sonny Gray is the best pitcher available, and I will not hear any slander uh, otherwise. Sonny Gray has been in the league for 11 years, and he's been bad twice. And one of them was in New York, and it was really fluky, and he should not have been bad. But the Yankees don't know how to deal with guys like Sonny Gray, and that's their fault. And then the other time he was bad, he was hurt, and he was very young in Oakland. Um, so obviously, Sonny Gray is going to be my opening day starter. I'll not listen to your slander, Andrew. He just finished second in Cy Young voting and had a 154 ERA+. plus. I'll not hear it. Uh, after that, I'm pulling off a trade. So let's get very excited for that. I'm sending Tommy Edmond uh, and some other prospects uh, nothing crazy because I don't think it's going to take much to acquire Glasnow from the Rays. I do not think it'd be that much more than Tommy Edmond. I don't actually think you have to give up someone like Gordon Graceffo. Um, Although if I had to give up Graceffo, that's okay. I don't think he's as exciting as he was a couple years ago. Um, I'd be okay with that. Um, but we'll call it Tommy Edmond. And I don't know. I honestly think like a Mike Antico and Tommy Edmond might be able to get it done for Glasnow. Um, I'm taking on all of that value. So with the 23 plus the 25 of him, that already puts me at $48 million. Um, so it's been an expensive offseason so far by Cardinal standards. Now I'm going to turn to the bullpen. Um, and I've got these guys pulled up. And the guys that I really like right now uh, in the bullpen here, I'm going to be signing Robert Stevenson and John Brevia. Now, I don't think either of these options are as exciting as people would like. Um, but I think the bullpen's actually pretty good as currently constructed if everybody's healthy. I'm relying on Jojo Romero to be himself and be very good next year. I'm relying on Ryan Helsley to be healthy. Um, I don't think either of these guys is going to cost much either. I think both these guys, John Brebia is probably like three and a half million AAV. And I would be shocked if Stevenson was more. He doesn't have the greatest track record, but it looks like he figured out something with the Rays down the stretch. Uh, he actually led all qualified pitchers in swinging strike percentage last year. I think that's a number the Cardinals should be really excited for, especially if they're looking uh, at getting more strikeouts. So I'm going to say my bullpen additions total $8 million. That puts me around $56 million. Um, but that's okay because I'm also going to be getting rid of Tyler O'Neill, and I'm going to be claiming that $7 million to use. And I get the Tommy Edmond money back as well. Um, so I've actually got a little more to play with. Um, I'm going to be shipping Tyler O'Neill to the Marlins and I'm looking for Braxton Garrett as my sixth starter. Um, I'm really, I really think Tyler O'Neill could get that done. Uh, everything that I've read on Garrett and how the Marlins value him internally seems like that would be, if not enough, it'd be really close to enough. Um, I know a lot of people don't think Garrett's very exciting. He doesn't throw a lot of, you know, not a lot of, uh, super, you know, 
amazing pitches. Like, I don't think he has anything that really stands out. Um, but I think it'd be a big improvement over the pitching depth the Cardinals had last year. So I'd be really happy for him to be my sixth starter. And then I think we're looking at signing a bounce back candidate. Uh, for me, that's Frankie Montas. I've been really interested in him. I think if him and Garrett are your interchangeable five, six, I'm really okay with that. Sonny Gray will be my opening day starter. Uh, we've got the bullpen assembled. This whole thing, Frankie Montas is probably eight to nine million a year. Uh, the whole thing is going to cost you before getting the extra money uh, roughly $63 million. But I think with the extra money, the Cardinals are actually spending more like 52 uh, in my scenario. And then that leaves room to go get another bullpen arm if you want. And so I looked at that. I think Jordan Hicks, uh, great reunion candidate for the Cardinals. Whoa. So you're not giving up a ton. You're, get, you're getting rid of a couple of prospects plus Edmund and O'Neill. Uh, you're bringing in Gray, Glasnow, Waka, or no, not Waka. I wanted Waka. He's too expensive. I thought about it. Not Waka, but Montas and Braxton Garrett are four starters you're bringing in. You're going to play the depth game, which I really like. Um, and then at least two, maybe three, like actual interesting relievers. So guys that can yeah. really help the team. I mean, Brebia feels like a guy who could appear in 70 games and post an ERA around 3.7. Like that's really good. That's what we're looking for. So I think the Cardinals will be much improved. I'm a fan. I like like I feel like you hit the volume thing that Mosaic is talking about, but you did it in like a not like underwhelming volume, if that makes sense. And you got plenty of innings if Glassnell doesn't work out to mm -hmm. make sure that that works out. I think the only one I would maybe push or not push back on, but maybe be interested in is I think I, I think Garrett will take more than that. You um, might be especially. Right. Like 30 starts this past year, 3.66 ERA the year before that, 17 starts, 3.58. And I think he's pre-ARB still. Mm, so I yeah. think that – I think it's like O'Neal plus pros, like good prospects yeah. or like admin plus. But like I think the like framework's there. Like I think it might just – you might just have to add some more prospects into it. And honestly, like I'd be okay it. doing that. I'd be okay adding somebody that's a little bit more <clears> interesting, uh, especially like – I don't know. Maybe maybe they'd be interested in like a O'Neill, Sem Reversa, and a younger, lower level offensive prospect with somewhat of a high ceiling. Hmm. Maybe a guy we just took in the draft. I don't know. Maybe Travis Honeyman. Maybe he could he could be a big part of something that gets it done. Yeah, I think I think if you wanted to do more of a swap, like I think a Trevor Rogers maybe could work more. In yeah, the I just he's like falling off the face oh. of the earth. Mm -hmm. Like I want I I want him to be good. I think Edward Cabrera could really work actually too. I think like, I think people think of him as higher, but like his inconsistency and in walk rate, I actually think that's something you could pretty easily do O'Neal on a little bit more for. I think Garrett's going to cost a lot. I'm looking at him. I think you're right. I, I don't know the, the Marlins fans that I know like hate Braxton Garrett. I don't get just, it. He's good. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They, they, they talk about him as like very unexciting. Um, they yeah. compare him to like a, like an early Cardinals Lance Lynn type. Someone who's not exciting but gets the job done. Yeah. I mean, lack of, I mean, he's just below nine strikeouts per nine. Uh, yeah. 1.15 whip, though. I like that That's he's not really hits or walks. So. He's better anyway. than I thought he was. But I but like if you it. You can't get Braxton Garrett with the money you save. You cut O'Neill. I think you could get Waka. Yeah, I think that's true. But I, I really like the idea of four starters. This is where I am right now. I really want the Cardinals to just go get four. You don't have to have a six-man rotation right away. One of them can be a long man. Like, I don't think anyone has a problem with Frankie Montas being your long man and then getting to slot into the rotation if he needs to. 
Yeah, I think the one, one thing that I'm going to be interested to see is like those bounce back guys, like how willing are they to take a role with the team where they're not sure if they're going to start mm. because of the pitching need around baseball. Yeah. Like I wonder if Montas would rather sign with like the Royals ensuring he's a starter unless the Cardinals are like, hey, we're only signing two or three. You can come here. But regardless, like I just I love if they pull off that offseason, Sandy, I'm in. That's awesome. Yeah, give me give me like seven guys. I want volume. <laughs> That's what I'm all about right now. Man. You are really Mr. Mosaic. I was like Mr. Mosaic if you told me the DeWitts don't care anymore, but I still spent within the budget. I did. Yeah, yeah, you stayed in there. It's all good. I just got aggressive. All right, Andrew. Um, I'm not going to be – I don't think Mr. Mosaic would ever do this. Uh, So (laughs) um, we're going to start off here. I think everybody knows where this is going. I'm going to sign – Michael Lorenzen. Uh, maybe someone who does something similar. Yeah, I'm gonna sign a two-way player. I'm giving him thirty million dollars next year, and then fifty-five million dollars for the next nine years. So that is, um, ten years, five hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Uh, if I'm correct, that's the great largest contract in North American sports history. So that's um, that's a yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. But that's a lot um, of money think- for Sonny Gray. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's probably worth it. Let's be honest. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we're going to sign Shohei Otani, um, and that only gives us next year like $35 million to play with. Um, so that's not a lot, but I think I've built something that will make it a little bit more interesting. Um, I'm going to sign Sonny Gray uh, to three years, uh, 20, Sweet. $24 million a year for the for the second two years, and then next year I'm paying him 22 so I get a little bit more to play with um, next year. Okay. Um, I'm going to – Call up the Guardians. Um, we're going to trade um, Tyler O'Neill and um, for Shane Bieber, and then I'll, I'll throw in a, like a mid-tier prospect um, as well for that. Um, and then I'm going to call up the Angels. I'm going to to make a big trade with them. Hopefully, um, now that we've signed Shohei Otani, no, um, they're going to blow it all up. Um, hopefully, no they're going to be smart trade. about it. We're giving them Alec Burleson, Gordon Graceffo, Thomas Sejaci, and Dylan Carlson for Patrick Sandoval. That's a lot. Oh, that's wow. a lot. Yeah, that is a lot, but I think Patrick Sandoval is really good, and he's been kind of mishandled by the Angels a little bit. And um, we have that um, one-two at the top with um, Shane Bieber – or one-two-three now, Shane Bieber, uh, Sonny Gray, and Patrick Sandoval. But I'm not done. I'm moving Steven Matz to the bullpen. No. And after I move Stephen Mass to the bullpen, I'm going to call up the Mets and trade for Jose Quintana. We're going to give them a couple of mid-tier prospects, and they're going to pay the entire contract. So we're going to overpay a little bit for Quintana. They're going to get some good prospects back, and they're going to pay the whole contract um, next year. So Quintana, I think, is like $13 million. Um, So basically get him for free. Stephen Matz is now in the bullpen where he's been a lot better. And then – I don't know if I have enough money to sign Yuki Matsui, but we can sign a couple of mid-tier relievers in there. Um, and now our rotation is going to be um, Sonny Gray, uh, Shane Bieber, Patrick mm-hmm. Sandoval, Miles Michaelis, and Jose Quintana as our five starter. And our lineup is going to have Shohei Otani, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Nolan Gorman, Wilson Contreras. So the rotation isn't as good as the ones that you guys have built, but our lineup is now like comparable with the Braves. So I, I feel pretty good with that. Um, Wow. And I didn't I didn't spend I didn't spend out of that. So once Shane Bieber becomes an unrestricted free agent, we let him go. Shoyotani's now our ace um in twenty twenty five and beyond. 
Yeah, and you have the Goldschmidt money coming off too, yeah. so you could yeah, very creative. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I I had to make it work somehow, and I think I, I think I managed to do that. I didn't even part with Nolan Gorman. That was a piece that I was considering uh, shipping off somewhere hmm. to go grab a pitcher, but I, I managed to keep Nolan Gorman. Do you think it would take a little bit more, maybe, to move Shane Bieber? Yeah, I think um, maybe a. Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, and can be kind of swapped interchangeable. I think I gave up a lot for Sandoval, maybe not so much for B. I mean, I think if you give up that much for Sandoval, they have to include a second starter in that deal. Like you could probably bring back Canning too, and he could be a yeah. too. Yeah, I bet you could probably like just like for the sake of this argument, move some of that stuff over to the something from that over to the Bieber trade. Yeah. But like I honestly think Tyler O'Neill's almost like <clears throat> I think just because the pitching market's so dire, you get you, the Guardians get a little bit more, but I don't really think they get a lot more for Shane Bieber. But I don't know, maybe I like Carlos value carry stuff from the what Angels. Carlos Estevez is a really good man yeah. that I like um, from over there, but he he's also a little expensive, so maybe you give them a couple more prospects that eat a little bit of the money on his contract. And I mean, the Mets thing is is actually pretty realistic because we've seen them like just buy prospects before. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of a thing that yep. Cohen has established that he's interested in doing. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive they are because I mean, obviously they're in on Yamamoto, but they've also talked about being a 2025, 2026 team instead of a 2024 team. So Yamamoto still fits that. Mm-hmm. But like, are they willing to eat a contract this year and build the farm system some more? Like, I could see it. So. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, Andrew. Also, I like that you you did a very cardinal thing. I don't like it. I don't, I didn't want to do it for mine because I just feel like it's hard to predict. But like front loading or back loading contracts that like Contreras this last year made like ten million and now he makes eighteen the rest of the time. Like and they've done that with another guy recently too. They and then this year when they did the extension with Michaelis because they had extra money to play with on this year's salary, they gave him more this year so they could make it bring him down to sixteen million. I think it is for 2024, 2025. So. I could see them doing that with some moves. Probably not going to happen though with that, that first move. Um, yeah, first. I don't know if Otani's going to do that, but everyone else—it's I mean, like, a lot of money. It is a lot true. of money. It's true, but um, I feel like I'd have a hard time thinking the Dodgers wouldn't be like, "We'll just give you the extra twenty there." But who knows? yeah, I don't know. I, Otani's just so unique. Like, I have no idea what his deal is actually going to look like. We can throw around numbers. And, like, it wouldn't shock me if he got 450, and it wouldn't shock me if he got 700. Like, I don't think he cares about the money at all, which is why I'm hoping he doesn't go north side. Um, That would be really bad. Please don't go to the Cubs. Oh, boy. Well, just a – this is kind of a fun extension of this discussion. I've seen some people playing GM, uh, you know, Cubs fans playing GM on Twitter. And some of the stuff that I've seen them mock up is, like, we get Shohei Otani, we get Pete Alonso, we get Juan Soto, and we re-sign Cody Bellinger. And it's like, man, I don't think all that could happen. I hope it couldn't. But like, if it did, that'd be really scary. Yikes. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good chance we're coming into <clears throat> the spring and the Cubs are the favorite to win the division. And it's, yeah, it's not looking great right now. But I think if they pulled off any of our three plans, I like our chances. So let us know on Twitter. Let us know in the YouTube comments what you'd like. I think we'll try to do a poll. So like maybe we'll post a graphic reminding you guys of what our moves were and make select one of the off seasons. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would like all three of them. I think I can't complain about Otani. I can't complain about the volume from Sandy. Yeah. I certainly can't complain about my master plan from the, it's being John Mosellock. So it's a good time. Yeah, noticeably none of our plans included axing Ali Marmol, which I'm sure some some of you guys um, want. But that's something the Cubs did this offseason as well. So um, for those of you that aren't familiar with this, the Cubs basically uh, surprise axed David Ross and added Craig Council from the Brewers, which is like kind of crazy. So Council, um, I mean, I've, I've heard it described as like a Hunger Games type of management situation. Um, some people are, are pretty shocked at what he did, jumping ship, uh, displacing David Ross, and then joining the Cubs uh, from the Brewers. So what do you guys think of this? I mean, it's just like it kind of stinks. Yeah, I was yeah. hearing all the rumors that Council was leaving, and I was so happy. And then he went to the Cubs. I was like, oh, never mind. Um, but I don't think managers honestly matter that much in today's game. So, I mean, the Cubs won and paid eight. Uh, paid uh correct counsel more than we're paying like tyler o'neill so that's that's kind of crazy um so i don't know hopefully it doesn't make as big of an impact as i as people think it will i don't i don't, I don't think it's going to matter as much but people seem to think it's a, a huge deal yeah i think it the thing that is signaled more to me is that the cups are going to be aggressive so like that's the reason i thought it mattered is it's like i was skeptical about juan soto Pete alonzo Shohei otani and then when they went and got craig council i'm like okay all that's on the table because like they're showing they're willing to do whatever it takes so now i don't think they can do all of that like you said sandy but like if they sign Shohei, i'm not surprised i'm really upset if they trade for juan soto or Pete alonzo like i don't think they can do both but they did one of them i'm not surprised um and i do think council's like I think there's very few managers that have a, a strong, like a like a, a real significant impact on the team. I think he's one of them that can do that. Um, so I think it's a it's a big move. Um, it's very. It just reminds me a lot of when they went and got Joe Madden, and then they started spending. So uh, I hope it's not like that again. But we'll see. Yeah. Also, yeah. the uh, Aaron Nola deal is now official. So there we go. That stinks. It just yeah, thins I mean, out the pitching market just a little bit more. Just taking one more guy out. Still, everybody needs pitching. Yeah. I mean, if, if Shoah Otani signs for the Cubs, I think Lars Newbar should unfriend him and play for the Netherlands in 2026. <laughs> That'd be absurd. Hey, at the very least, Yamamoto, come on. Come on. If you uh, if you missed last week's episode of Jeff Jones, seriously, go catch that because he dropped some real interesting information about the Yamamoto side of things. The Cardinals interest in him, a lot of links that make it possible. Um, and then Derek Gold this past week on his podcast was talking about like there's a lot of within the industry. Like nationally, you're not hearing reporters talk about it because it's not flashy to talk about Yamamoto to St. Louis, but like to New York or LA makes sense. But like real executives think the Cardinals have a shot at this because of what they've done over the last few years in Japan. And so, and the Joel, the Joel Wolf side of it, or Jared Wolf, um, I think it's Joel yeah. Wolf, um, <clears throat> and Lars New. Like there's just so many random things playing in their favor that if they get competitive with the offer, it could be real. Yeah. Now, notably, none of our scenarios included Yamamoto, but no. I think I think the reason for that is. If the Cardinals sign Yamamoto, they're probably exceeding that budget. Um, and so if they suddenly decide to play by different rules than we're playing by, Yamamoto comes into play. So just because we didn't include him, it doesn't mean it's not happening or not possible. Yeah. What if, yeah. though, like, 
maybe we should as a collective talk real quick about what it makes sense with Yamamoto. Cause if you are Yamamoto, I'd say we, we probably got to bank in like $35 million a year because posting fee, like they have to pay that upfront. I don't know how to, what to do with that. So I'll go a little higher in the AAV to supplement that. That gives you about like 30 million left over then um, based on the non-tenders. Like I think you could like, if they got Yamamoto, I don't, I don't think I'm as concerned about who the number two is anymore. Like, I think I'm okay with them doing the, like if they did Yamamoto and they went Waka, they went Lugo, they traded for a guy like, like they could still trade for Cease. Um, like, I think that's very realistic, <laughs> but like, I think it rules out Sonny Gray. I think it rules out Montgomery right. or those guys. I think you could do Yamamoto and Sonny Gray. Yeah. If okay, so Yamamoto, let's say 35, that drops you to 30. Sonny Gray, let's put him at 23. Say yeah. you get a little bit lucky. And and that could also be ruling out the signing, uh, the posting fee. So you're you're at seven million to play around with. But remember, O'Neill and Edmund together are worth yeah. almost 15 million dollars. Mm-hmm. If you could offload the two of them um in some kind of deal, you could free up enough space to sign. Well, because you take the the seven you have now, and let's put that into the bullpen. All seven of that goes into the bullpen. So that's two quality relievers. And then you either trade for somebody where you're not taking on excess value, or you move both O'Neill and Edmund in some sort of salary dump. Take that, uh, you know, 13 to 15 million and sign a bounce back guy. And then I think, honestly, like teams do this all the time. Teams enter the season thinking, yes one of our guys is going to emerge. And the Cardinals have done that a ton, and it's worked a lot. It didn't work last year. For the first time in a long time, it didn't work. And so we're not even considering it a possibility for the Cardinals to enter the season with less than five established starters. But teams do it all the time. So I wouldn't be shocked for the Cardinals to say, yep, we're entering with four pitchers here. Um, you know, my uh, Mats and Michaelis are your 3-4 uh, you're entering with four pitchers and you're saying it's an open competition because they do have better names this time around than they did last year. Yeah. They do have guys where it's like, yeah, McGreevy really could emerge as a fifth starter. I wouldn't be shocked at all if we're sitting in May and McGreevy has a 4.2 ERA and eight starts. Like that wouldn't be crazy. It also wouldn't be crazy to see Graceffo emerge or Reversa or Klofenstein or any of these guys that had really strong. Thompson, Libertor. Absolutely. Like yeah. And, and Libby, like, People forget how young he is and how good his tools are. So, yeah, you could see the Cardinals do something like that. Internal options still exist. Totally. Yeah, I think it's almost like every major problem they had this year, we expect there's no way it can be any different. Like he brought up Nolan Arenado. Like he was great in the first half, but was awful in the second half. Paul Goldschmidt had that stretch. It was really weird. Michaelis ate a ton of innings, but had his worst year. I don't think he's going to be that bad again. If Stephen Mast is healthy, he figured things out. Like that's still a lot. You don't want to go in with just a bunch of what ifs, but if you bring multiple solutions in and then also figure some of these like worst case scenarios don't turn out to be worst case scenario again i don't think it's hard to see how they improve even if they don't make a bunch yeah. of big moves i think the part that like will frustrate me this offseason uh, and i'm sure you guys would agree is if they don't make aggressive moves this offseason and they make the like sunny they do just sunny gray which i love but like that's the biggest move by far they make. And then they yeah. get like Lugo and Waka. I just think it proves they didn't learn from their lessons and they didn't learn yeah. that they need to go in the top of the market mm-hmm. anymore. And so I think that's my concern is that like, mm-hmm. I think they can get back to being a 90 win team. In a, it doesn't really take that much brain power to figure out how that works. 
But for them to be a true contender in the National yes. League, yeah. <clears throat> that's where they have to go these routes. And I think that's what we care Absolutely. about. Absolutely. But I think if the Cardinals only get two starters, I'm going to be annoyed, but I'm not going to be throwing the towel in on the team in April. Yeah. I mean, I mean, unless, start, it's like, unless it's Lugo Waka. Like sure, that's when you're then, like, like okay. yeah, if the Cardinals do yeah. that, we should riot. Or if they sign like Yamamoto and trade for Corbin Burns, like that would be that would be a pretty good, pretty good offseason. Oh, <laughs> what would you give up for Corbin Burns? Oh man. For one year, like it's really hard. Is it one year or two? It's one. It's one year. Oh, one. by the way, for the Brewers, can we just say how about those three aces? <laughs> you know, you go from having Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta with like three years of team control each. Do absolutely nice. nothing. And now Woodruff's gone. Peralta and Burns are in their last year. Hauser, by the way, that fourth who never really came around is also in his last year. Oh, it's going to be so fun to see the Brewers yeah. just collapse. I think you're probably talking, if for the Brewers to get Burns, you're probably talking Donovan or Gorman and then basically nothing else on top of it, like a pretty much a pretty pretty straight swap. Or you're talking like Tinkens and JC and some other things. And I just don't want to trade that within the division, especially with these other options out there. I'm just like, go get the other options. If he was the only one out there, I'd probably be clamoring more for it. But like they have to be aggressive after Corbin Burns. But spend the money on Gray. Spend the money on Yamamoto. Trade for Dylan Cease. Do something else. Well, and if I knew the Cardinals would get him and then lock him up. Like oh, that's different. Be, if it was going to be a Castillo type thing, like the Mariners, where they go get their guy and then sign him to a six-year extension or five-year extension. Yep. Sure. I'd be really interested in that, but I don't think the Cardinals do that. I think if, if they get burns, like there is a real, now I'm not saying they wouldn't because it's the right move, but there's a real possibility that the Cardinals would trade for him and then like let him hit free agency, which yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not interested in watching Donovan punish us for the next four seasons because yeah, just not happening. Especially as a brewer. Oh my gosh. Like Colton Warren all over again. Yeah. Anyways, well, um, next week, I think we can say at this point, we should have led with this. Next week, we'll have Trevor Rosenthal on the podcast, so really excited about that. If you remember, Trevor Rosenthal is a big part of the Cardinals bullpen for a long time, obviously on the 2013 World Series team, but some other stuff as well. So we'll talk about his career, pitching development, all that kind of stuff. So excited about next week, but between now and then, there's some potential, some action that's going to happen. We're about two weeks away from the the GM or the winter meetings. So obviously Nola's sign, the hot stove is starting. Oh yeah. Here we go. It's off season time. It's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun off season. Um obviously all you uh you know listeners, please be paying attention. Uh come forward. We've got really exciting stuff, like we just said, Rosenthal. And then hopefully we'll have some more awesome guests um throughout the rest of the off season. But we'll be bringing you uh, you know, everything as it happens. We'll be talking about it on here. Um, hopefully the Cardinals give us something to be thankful for between now and Thanksgiving. Um, time is running out, you know, there's only a couple days left. Um, but Hey, magic Mo could work some, <laughs> it could work some serious witchcraft here. And we might have thing. a Thanksgiving Otani party. Who you knows? Know, you never know. Maybe. And that, that's the other thing. It's, it's like the card. I mean, it's, I hate even pulling this card because it's like, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but the Cardinals move in silence. They don't, they don't broadcast what they're going to do. They they're the team. I know everyone brings it up, but they are the team that says Matt Carpenter is my third baseman. The next day, trade for Nolan Arenado, and they've been working on that for years. And they've been working out the whole off season with his agent, who also happens to be Yamamoto's agent. So like, I'm I'm just not I'm not going to give up on them because they didn't get Aaron Nola. So 
doesn't mean doesn't mean they're going to do it. And if they don't do it, and February comes around, and we're looking at Seth Lugo starting opening day, we'll be there to criticize them. So yeah, yeah. If the Cardinals like, we talked about it a bit earlier in the episode, but when the Cardinals are actually wrong, like we are not afraid to criticize them. Like you'll hear me, you'll hear me shouting from the rooftops if they don't sign the guys that they need to sign. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks everybody, uh, for another, you know, watch another great episode. Uh, we're so excited to be back next week with Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, yeah, come out and watch that one as well. And please, if you have any questions you want us to ask him, like comment below, um, you can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, like we're on all the socials. Uh, yeah. So just let us know if you have any comments, concerns. We love to answer viewer comments.